Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. All right. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the AFC West Show. We're ready for the regular season here, week one of the AFC West Show 2015 season. Tonight, we're going to be talking about what happened in the AFC, what to expect this year, making our picks for the games and for the whole season team picks. So we've got a lot to accomplish tonight. If you want to call in and be part of the show, feel free to call 646-668-8837. Or send us a tweet at AFC West Show as well. As always, I'm joined by the other half of the AFC West Show tonight from a hot and sticky Southern California studios. Daryl, how are you doing tonight? Uh, we're hanging in there, man. Uh, once again, it's a little, little hot and humid, so uh, bear with me. It's about uh, 90 degrees indoors, so uh, if I if I pause for a little bit, it's probably just because I'm catching my breath. But then again, it might be from the excitement of NFL football kicking off live tomorrow. You know, you hit that right on the head. NFL football does start tomorrow. We got the Patriots and the Steelers in Foxborough. You know, that's the first time in a long time with Thursday night game that you don't have the commish showing up to uh, to uh, be present at the opening game. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the story. Yesterday, ESPN had quite an article that they shared about the the cheating ways of the Patriots. Uh, some have dubbed them the Cheatriots or whatever, and it's been around for a long time. The rumors, but some of it has been substantiated, and uh, I don't know what's going to come out of it, but it does seem very damning to the whole uh, to the whole. Patriots organization, starting with Bill Belichick. You know, it certainly does. A lot of uh, a lot of news and information came out. Some surprising, some not so much. Very interesting uh, to hear Mike Shanahan today on the on the Dan Patrick show talking about uh, about being a paranoid coach and uh, sweeping the the locker room for bugs and several other items, but. Uh, said that, you know, it's just expected by a number of teams in the league, so uh, not only a New England Patriots issue, but we uh, aren't here necessarily to talk about the Patriots, we're not here to talk about the uh, Steelers, we're here to talk about the AFC West. This morning, the power rankings came out from ESPN, I want to talk about that a little bit, uh, really quickly. Looking at the overall power rankings, uh, were there any surprises we had? As follows, the Denver Broncos with the uh, number five overall. 
San Diego Chargers sitting at 13. The Chiefs pretty much tied with them at a number 14 spot, and the Raiders all the way back at 28. Does anything that's, uh, about those stand out to you or surprise you there? Well, until we see regular season games that matter, it's hard to tell. I get that they're trying to judge the talent on the roster, but on any given day, weird things can happen. Uh, certainly you want a team with a lot of depth because if you have a lot of depth and, and players with character, you can weather a tougher adversity. So it doesn't surprise me, but there are people out there, and we'll get to our picks later on, that see it rather differently, actually. And they have uh, one of the other two teams in the AFC West division that is above the 20 mark as being the winners of the AFC West. So sorry, Raider fans. I'm not seeing anybody stepping up and saying, hey, this is the Raiders' year. But, hey, you're out of the 30s and into the 20s, uh, albeit a little low. I think I I would agree the Raiders are moving forward. So uh, until any football is really played, let's withhold judgment. But it's an interesting thing. I could see both the Chiefs and the Chargers jumping up depending on what happens. Um, The Chiefs, the first four games are tough. And the Chargers, they've got a stadium issue, and both of those will come into play when we talk about our picks uh, for the season records later on. You know, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I do think there's a lot of uh, a lot of external factors that have gone into those. So right now I do think that they seem to be pretty much uh, spot on, you know, looking at where the Broncos uh, left off last year and, and have not uh, had a chance to prove themselves on the field this year. I think five is a – a fairly solid number, that 13 and 14. Well, you did have both teams uh, make some improvements this year. So it'll be interesting to see which of those two teams really uh, does take the lead as the season goes on. And I, I'm always excited at the beginning of the season to see what uh, what the Raiders are going to do and uh, how they're going to respond to their off-season changes. So it's uh, definitely exciting to see those uh, those power rankings. We did have the final week of preseason last week, and uh, they certainly, the game certainly didn't tell us anything about uh, what to expect as we had all the backup uh, players and the third and fourth stringers fighting for spots on rosters. So it uh, definitely is one of those weeks that can make or break a player that's on the bubble. And I guess, uh, you know, we might as well take a little time and uh, possibly talk about some of those those teams and uh, what players made it, what players didn't. Yeah, well, we, we started talking about the Raiders, so why not just go ahead and continue uh, where we, we were just talking about the Raiders. So let's go ahead and just uh, talk a little bit more about them. It, uh, we mentioned C.O. Moore in the last uh, podcast, and he was injured. He had been replaced. He was at the second depth position at linebacker, and he was traded to Indianapolis for a six-round pick, so he is no longer a Raider. And Indianapolis, uh, again, picks up somebody that could help him. I'll tell you, Indianapolis has had a fantastic offseason in some of their moves and picked up a lot of depth. They certainly are up there, in my estimation, in the AFC for contenders. Um, there were some people cut too, Darren. Do you have any information? I know there was one ex-Bronco that was cut from uh, the Raiders. You know, Trenton and Holiday uh, did uh, get cut there. I know that uh, Jack Del Rio had uh, given him a try to see if he would be a 
a go-to guy on the uh, punt returns and kick returns, but uh, but uh, the little firecracker was cut there. Uh, you know, he's always had some issues with hanging on to the ball. I don't know if that uh, is what it was here. His size being so small, he's really not a legitimate uh, threat at wide receiver. So you always either have to have him as a scat back or it's just a special teamer. And right now, you know, in this league with the depth issues that the Raiders have, uh, to have uh, strictly a, a return man only on the team doesn't seem to fit what they uh, were looking for. You know, um, we talked last week about Trent Richardson and I think Kimbrell Thompson both being cut. So those uh, you know, were people that uh, weren't uh, too big of surprises. But uh, Marvin Ponder and Taylor Mays were also cut, from what I understand. Yes, they were. The former Minnesota Viking quarterback couldn't stick, and the safety that was picked up picked up uh, was, I guess, unceremoniously showing the door. Didn't stay long in uh, in Oakland, so they're kind of moving in, ready to play and ready to start. And they've solidified their roster. A couple of notable people, but nobody that really shocked you, I guess, uh, other than the, those fans of Trent Richardson. But he's kind of been wearing his welcomes in for a long time and hasn't really performed, so I can't call that a surprise. Should we move on to the Chiefs? You know, well, really quickly, we did have two pickups this week from the Raiders. Uh, Raiders, they got uh, uh, LeVar Edwards from the Cowboys, the defensive end, and uh, he is going to have to uh, be a contributor both on defense and special teams uh, if he's going to be active on uh, on game days. And they also picked up uh, Keenan Lambert, who is a uh, defensive back from – from Seattle looking to uh, shore up the safety uh, position for them. So a couple of players that they, they picked up as well. But uh, overall, you know, the uh, the Raiders had a, a lot of opportunities last year that they, they didn't capitalize on in, in some of their uh, offensive areas. And so it'll be really interesting to see what happens this year. But you mentioned the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs really spent a lot of money uh, – Last year, or during the off season, picking up uh, Jeremy Macklin and also uh, Houston, re-signing him. What happened when it came time for the uh, cut? Well, not to be uh, not not to be surprised, or no one should be surprised. But those two players' names were not on the list, and we had talked about Houston playing very well, picking up where he left off, and and uh, Macklin seems to be playing well too. So. The the names that come up, I always like to say this one, they cut Ryan Suckup, the the kicker. So that's not necessarily a surprise, but anytime you get to say Suckup, it's always fun. Uh, the linebacker, Nico Johnson, and wide receiver Kyle Williams were cut as well. And then they made a couple of other roster moves. Former Bronco and Detroit Lion Joe Mays was put on short-term IR. So he'll be able to come back in, in uh, six or eight weeks. I, I don't know the rule. It, it changes, it seems, like every year. And then the quarterback, I, I think we might have talked about Tyler Bray before. Tyler Bray was moved to injured reserve. And so that's kind of how they fixed up their roster and got to the 53. You know, in a little uh, AFC West note, and we talked about gamesmanship earlier with the uh, Patriots, Something that uh, that I did notice on the uh, wires uh, on on Monday was the uh, Chiefs did claim the tight end uh, Brian Parker off waivers from San Diego. So I know that uh, 
They may want to be learning a little bit about what San Diego has going. They already have three tight ends in uh, Kels, O'Shaughnessy, and Harris. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly what they're expecting from from Parker, but uh, an interesting pickup there. They also signed up the uh, signed the uh, offensive lineman Ja Reed, who used to be with the uh, Raiders, and uh, he can play mm. both guard and uh, and tackle. But um, you know, and not someone that will be starting either for them. Kind of a, a uh, journeyman backup that uh, that they brought on board the team. So that should be interesting. You know, I know that uh, they they did have some shuffling going on on their their offensive line. They moved Eric Fisher over to the right tackle and uh, Donald Stevenson over there to the left tackle. So that's kind of an interesting move by the, uh, by the kind of banged up uh, Chiefs offensive line. We talked about them a little bit in the past couple of weeks. We, we did talk about that, and we said one of the big concerns is that offensive line, and I think they're trying to address that. Uh, we'll see what happens and, and whether it's the right move or a better move. But that offensive line, we said, was a big question mark, and, and I know that our listeners – remember that conversation and and when it comes to the first game of the season that's what I want to see because they're going up against none other but the Houston Texans and so JJ Watt is in the house and um, the number one pick for uh, Jadavius Clowney so uh, I I, and I do believe Clowney's playing I, I haven't heard contrary to that but if I'm mistaken somebody can correct me on that You know, talking about uh, about that, from uh, what I understand, Clowney is going to be playing limited uh, limited amount of time. Not a not uh, starting necessarily, but the, the he will be part of that Houston uh, Houston team. And uh, we're going to move on to the Chargers here really quickly. I did want to run by for our listeners that phone number one more time. It's a new phone number for this season: six four six 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 eight. Eight eight three seven. So if you want to be part of the show this week uh, or any other week this season, give us a call there at 646-668-8837 to be on the AFC West show. We look forward to uh, hearing from some of our listeners and chatting. You know, the Chargers, they uh, they had a little, uh, a little uh, I guess we could say, uh, competition at the kicking position. Well, they sure did, and, and we had addressed that earlier, and it's been a big talk in San Diego, here in San Diego, and um, it, it seemed like early on Nick Novak had kind of sewn it up, but when the Chargers played Arizona, Nick Novak missed, a, 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 I believe, an extra point, and it opened the door for Lambeau, and Lambeau kicked very well throughout the rest of preseason, and I, the Chargers haven't said specifically why, but one would have to think part of it is age, 34 versus 24, I believe, and also the salary. And so, uh, well, I, I can say one of the things that has been noted that probably is a strong reason as well is that Nick Novak, as accurate as he was, couldn't kick the ball out of in, into or out of the end zone regularly. So that was a big deal, and Lambeau has kind of demonstrated that he can. And so that's another another field position issue that, that the Chargers feel they've addressed by making this move. You know, we also have uh, Antonio Gates, who's going to be on a four-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. He did say that uh, he made a mistake. He owned up to it and said that he's usually very careful with what he puts in his body. You know, as an aging tight end, I can uh, see where that uh, happens. 
especially trying to get every advantage that he could. And, uh, you know, he, he has had a lot of injuries lately, so I'm sure that he's looking for, for everything uh, that there is to do. However, this is really going to hurt them, in my opinion. You have Ladarius Green, who is going to be the uh, backup tight end, really struggling in the, the preseason. And then, on top of that, today, uh, you know, he is being checked out for a possible concussion. So that's something that um, really is is of concern. Uh, anytime that you're being evaluated for a concussion, and there is a chance that uh, that uh, he has uh, has to miss Monday's game. But uh, you know that's something to keep an eye on. The injury happened at the end of practice today, and uh, really puts him in jeopardy. Well, if that's the case, and that is uh, actually news that I hadn't heard, so I appreciate you sharing that because you're up on, on it, and I, I missed that. Uh, that is a big deal because one of the people that San Diego, mo- moving over to San Diego, one of the people that they cut was uh, John Phillips, the backup tight end, the third string tight end. And you know, he had some pass-catching ability, seemed to function more as a blocking tight end in, in uh, Dallas and they brought him over and he, for whatever reason, they chose not to stick with him. But now that, that brings up a, a younger tight end, somebody that may not have as much experience and it does put them in a bit of a, a bind, at least maybe for game one or even game two, if it truly is a concussion, that protocol could, could take some time. Well, and it leaves as their, uh, as their tight end, uh, Kyle Miller, who has bounced around the league, uh, waved by the Dolphins, waved by the Colts uh, back in 2012, 2013 waved by the Dolphins, and then uh, the Falcons waved to May 3rd. So, uh, you know, he is 27 out of Mount Union College, but um, really hasn't even appeared in a game since 2012. And uh, and if that's going to be your starting uh, tight end, I, I do think that that's going to gonna uh, cause some issues for a San Diego team that uh, – Really, uh, it looks like they were starting to get on the right page with their uh, with their passing game, but have some issues with their their running. And uh, to only have have one healthy tight end in the running scheme that really could uh, could hamper them. We'll talk about that a little more when it comes time to to break down the game between the uh, Detroit Lions and the San Diego Chargers. Moving over to Denver, you know we uh, we had some cuts there at uh, Denver. One of the one of the big favorites in Denver that was cut to a lot of people either loved or hated him. Tony Carter was uh, on the chopping block along with Ben Garland, former Air Force uh, standout. Yeah, Tony Carter had scrapped and clawed and hung around, and, and uh, Denver decided to go younger. They felt they had some other potential talent, and they felt very comfortable with uh, their four cornerbacks that were potentially higher than uh, than Tony Carter. The, uh, obviously, Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris, Jr., holding the number one and twos. Uh, you can flip them either way. And then you had uh, Bradley Roby from last year becoming a standout for that third cornerback uh, position. That kind of left Tony Carter fighting with Kayvon Webster, who had been in the doghouse last year, but uh, had played well the year before. And so Kayvon Webster... Um, apparently won that, and they decided to take a look at some of the younger talent and go ahead and let Tony Carter go. And so 
Uh, he had been there for a while. It, it's tough to let him go, just like Ben Garland. Ben Garland was such a stand-up guy, and John Elway made a comment that it's hard cutting a, a fellow that you would mind having your daughter marry. And Ben Garland has been involved in the community. community. He has made a switch from defense to offense, and he has taken time off of the Broncos at periods for his National Guard um, or reserve duties as well. And so this was a guy that they gave a lot of opportunity to, but he also rewarded that with a lot of hard work and was a great person in the community. And so you got to love the USA. And uh, Ben Garland is kind of representative of that. So it was a tough day to, to see him go. Talent-wise, he, he never – showed that he was that great of a talent moving over to offensive line. And that's a tough switch, so I understand the move. They also let go of Gino Gradkowski, who was one of their off-season acquisitions at center. And um, he had been playing for as a, as a backup center, I believe, for the Raiders – or, excuse me, the Ravens – and uh, had some, some connection with um, Kubiak because of that. But with the acquisition of – of uh, the, the new Pro Bowl guard, it, it allowed Mathis. Max Garcia to all, yeah, Mathis to go. It allowed Gar- Max Garcia to go ahead and transition to be able to play guard positions and the center position, and so that kind of made the depth there and made Gradkowski expendable, who had not graded out extremely highly. And then finally, there was a linebacker cut. He shares your last name, Darren. Any relation? You know, I would uh, have to say uh, no on that one, but Steven Johnson, who did play a decent amount for the Broncos, uh, he became expendable with the uh, health uh, returning of Danny Trevathan and also uh, also the remainder of the linebackers on the team. And Denver was very deep. You heard uh, – some people heard the Hard Knocks episode where John Elway said they might be looking to deal some linebackers and they ended up cutting quite a few. People don't know, probably Lamine Barrow and some of the other linebackers that were cut as well. So it was a little bit of a surprise because of his name, but they are very deep there, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What about the big one, Darren? Well, no surprise for the people that were watching the Broncos out training camp. Monte Ball started his slide early on in, in camp in the opening game and never could recover from that downhill slope that he was sliding down. Uh, Monte Ball cut by the Broncos. He made it through the final, but then the day after the uh, cuts were made, he was released to make some room. And, uh, you know, no surprise on, on that one for a lot of people. Second-round pick out of Wisconsin. You mentioned it. We've mentioned it. Uh, those Wisconsin backs are rode rode really heavily in in college, and uh, sometimes I wonder if they actually, uh, you know, will make it in the uh, in the NFL or if they are tired out. Well, we'll see Melvin Gordon in San Diego on uh, this weekend and and see what happens there. Um, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go ahead and and say is there anything else about Denver that you want to discuss? I think that pretty much covers it for us. Well, let's go ahead then and, and kind of get into our prediction. Everybody makes predictions, so I guess we're not that original when it comes to this, but we'll go ahead and do our best shot for the AFC West and kind of try and explain it. Let's see if we can do it in in uh, maybe a 
I don't know, each of us takes 20 to 30 seconds for each team to explain where they'll, where they'll end up and how we came to that conclusion. You want to start, Darren? Well, yeah, let's start with Oakland. I think Oakland was 3-13 and 13 last season. Uh, you know, I can see them improving up to to 6-10, and 10, maybe 7-9 and nine if the, the cards fall right. I think that, uh, you know, with a, revi- a growing uh, offense with the car and then the additions of Michael Crabtree and Rob Streeter and also Mari Cooper, I think that they are going to have that with Darius uh, – I'm sorry, not Ladarius, Latavius uh, Murray, who who came on strong last year. Uh, watch them to have a breakout game. I think their offense they'll be able to ride to about six or seven wins. Oh well, I wouldn't disagree with that, and I I was feeling generous, and I said seven and nine, and they could actually pull that off. I think one thing that they need to do, in addition to a lot of people are high on Khalil Mack, and they believe this offense is turning the corner, and I think the offense can. I'm not sure the defense can keep up, but one thing that the Raiders have to do is they have to learn how to win and have that winner mentality. And I know people won't like to hear that, but they let some games slip that they could have won, and that's what I mean about the winner mentality. So I'm going to say 7-9. and nine. It could fall a little short, but I, I think it would be a successful season to see 7-9. and nine. Anything more would be very surprising, and I'm sure Oakland fans would take it. How about those Chiefs? Well, the, man, they you know, some people have picked the Chiefs to go uh, number one in the AFC West, win the division. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the first four games are a little tough. They have Houston. They have Denver. Uh, they have also the Packers and the Bengals. Everybody but Houston is a playoff team there. That's quite the run. If they can get out of the game well, I, I could see it happening, but I do think that Denver's going to pose quite a problem, even though that game's in Kansas City. I see the Chiefs, unless they get that line figured out, they have a good defense, but I see them going a solid 10-6, and six, and, and I have them second in the AFC West, 10-6. and six. Well, you know, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm going to say that they'll have a repeat of last year at 9-7. and seven. You know, they did make some great acquisitions, but they are going to have some tough games against Cincinnati, like you mentioned, Green Bay. I think that uh, the Buffalo game will be a tough one. Even Cleveland and Baltimore could be difficult. I do see them uh, having a chance to uh, to win in their division some. Nine and seven, though, is what I'm looking at. I do think that uh, my big question mark still and always is going to be Alex Smith. Uh, and also can Jamal Charles stay healthy. They are counting on Niall Davis, but Jamal Charles, if he can stay healthy, uh, look for them to make that 10-6 and six, like you said. Otherwise, I'm going to say 9-7. and seven. Likewise, I think the San Diego Chargers will remain 9-7 and seven as well. Same record as last year. I think both these two teams will repeat. I think there's too many off-the-field issues in San Diego. I think a stadium referendum, uh, other items are really just going to cause cause havoc for a team here that, uh, yes, they can say they're focused, but in the back of the mind, they do have some questions. And I wouldn't be surprised. uh, Go ahead. No, no. Please finish. I wouldn't be surprised if they they head into November with only two wins to to begin that time with a Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and uh, then Baltimore on the November 1st game. I do see some, some issues there. 
Well, I I still say that San Diego can go ten and six. I think they have the talent. I think they've improved the whole division. Although some people think Denver has not uh, improved as much as some, I think they're going to be surprised at some of the areas that Denver has improved. And so that's going to be tough in the division. You're right about the referendum and the stadium issue. The caveat I wanted to present with my ten and six is I could also see this team being an eight and eight team, especially if this stadium thing starts to become known for sure, there's no way that they're going to stay. That could get ugly, and it could spiral out of control. But I'm going to say 10-6. and six. Uh, and, and even though that's the same record as Kansas City, I'm giving the nod to Kansas City because I think they're slightly better. But the same record might win out on the actual head-to-head games. That leaves us with Denver, Darren. And and for me, I, I still say they've won the division four years in a row. They still seem to have the best defense in the AFC West. And still probably, even though we haven't seen it, a, a very potent offense, uh, one that can, can score points when it needs to. So when I look at this, they do have a tough game against Baltimore here to come out of the gate. Uh, and then Kansas City. So those two are going to be bellwether games. But I see Denver going 12 and four. I, I really do think they can go 12 and four. Uh, they'd be lucky to do 13 and three. But I could see a 12 and four season from Denver. Well, you know, I'm going to have to say I, I picked them to be 11 and five. But there's one one real uh, thing that's going to tell me whether that happens or not. 11 and five. If they start out this uh, season 0 and 2, which could be a very uh, real possibility, starting out with Baltimore and then a three-day rest before heading to Kansas City, a real tough opener for for Denver. Uh, if they're 0 and 2, I wouldn't be surprised to least them to go 11 and 5. Now, if they start out with uh, wins the first uh, the first five games, then uh, I would certainly uh, say 12 and 4 is definitely an option, or even possibly even 13 and 3. They really have some uh, some games early on that are going to test them. I think uh, Detroit's a solid team, Baltimore's a solid team, Kansas City on the road. So you know, certainly uh, they really do have a lot of uh, challenges. Up. You know, we are running out of time. We're going to hit the games of the week after the break here. Stay tuned. The AFC West show on Blog Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the AFC West Show After Hours. As I was saying there, you know, I see Denver ending up uh, 11 and five, maybe just maybe 12 and four. You know, I, I do think that they have a excellent defense. I think their defense is what's going to definitely be uh, keeping them in the game slot. One uh, little uh, side note, you know, uh, that I'm definitely going to be watching is Chris Harris. If their secondary can stay healthy, it's going to give those front. Uh, in the front rushers all the time in the world to get to those quarterbacks. You know, a little stat that uh, I was uh, looking at from last season, and um, and quarterbacks, when they uh, throw against Chris Harris, they are uh, averaging right now a 47.8 quarterback rating on throws against Chris Harris. 
That's second lowest in the NFL. So a lot of people talk about Revis Island. Well, I think that uh, Harris, uh, he, he has his own island that he uh, pretty much takes care of and, and watches over. So it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, you know, I think the Broncos will be a little slow with their offense unless they uh, can can just rely on C.J. Anderson to run, run, run. Well, you mentioned Chris Harris, and while we're just to have his name up on the screen, you know, Madden came out with their scores, and Chris Harris Jr., 94 overall. There's only two two uh, cornerbacks that are rated, or actually three. I, I disagree with one of them. But uh, obviously Richard Sherman, uh, Darrell Rivas both have 97s, and they gave Vontae Davis a 94 or 95. So, well, we can't win them all, but Chris Harris Jr. has really done well from being an undrafted free agent player. Okay, we've got some games this week, Darren. Uh, four games in the AFC West. Can we do this in a three-minute rapid-fire segment? Let's talk about KC at Houston. You know, it's an even matchup with Vegas line. Kansas City uh, on the road. I just don't see how this Houston team that uh, Brian Hoyer-led team will be able to really do anything. Uh, Their running game is is lacking. Their uh, defense is going to be the strong suit. But I think a healthy Kansas City, one that has had all this time planned, and usually when you have an Andy Reid offense, coming out so for the first game of the season after buys, they are stout and solid and ready. Kansas City by five on this game. I think that you have some points there. I do think that you're giving Houston a little less credit than they deserve. That defense is going to be very solid, uh, albeit uh, Kansas City's defense is pretty good, but it, it's not as good as the, as the Houston's defense in my mind. And the other thing that, that Houston does well they find a way to make holes for running for their running back. So I know Hoyer is not outstanding, but I do think that they'll they'll be in the game. I'm saying that uh, I see KC by two as the visiting team. I, I don't think they're going to blow them out. Let's move on to Detroit at San Diego. It's a, a whiteout game here in San Diego. Degrees in the 90s probably for the game, even more maybe on the field going to be pretty hot and it's going to be a starting starting uh, game for the NFL here in in the West Coast at that slot a big time matchup tell me Darren what do you see with Detroit at San Diego you know uh, with this game I really see an, an issue for San Diego covering the the big receivers of Detroit I think that's going to be the, the issue I think that's where uh, Detroit is going to try and uh, try and and uh, outclass the San Diego Chargers. Kelvin Johnson and Golden Tate uh, are, are really going to uh, to be able to exploit these defenders if they can uh, can get going. The one issue I do see uh, the running game for for Detroit is a little suspect uh, with uh, Bell and also then uh, Abdullah going to be be both Amir Abdullah running. So it's going to be a little bit of running back by committee. It looks like. But uh, I, I think that as long as they can get this passing game going, their defense is always stout for the Detroit Lions uh, with the r- tight end missing and the running game issues that the Chargers are having. Watch out. Detroit coming on the road and 
blanking, not blanking, but beating the Chargers by three. Well, I don't know. I think the fans are going to be pumped up here, and uh, I just think that – I do think Detroit's a great team. I, I guess the referendum is out on how well they'll travel. The last time I saw them on the road in a, reg- in a meaningful game was losing to Dallas in a game that they, they didn't have wrapped up, but they were ahead and really had the chance to take. So – that left a sour taste in my mouth. I see San Diego squeaking one out. Uh, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how Melvin Gordon does and how this defense can put – if they can put pressure on Matthew Stafford because they've been looking for it from last year. They think they've found it. But until – well, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. Let's go and move on to Denver and uh, Baltimore. Baltimore is coming to Denver. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, Darren? You know, I'm excited for this game. I think that it's really going to be a true test for the Denver Broncos and their uh, their defense. I think their defense has looked great uh, so far in preseason, and they're going to be mixing up with the blitz. I think Joe Flacco, who has caused a lot of issues for for defenses, he can move about. He's fairly mobile. He's got a strong arm, and then they got a running back in Justin Forsett that can run the ball. But I do see this the way Tulsa's defense really wreaking havoc. I see Denver uh, putting up about 24 points uh, in, in this game, and I do see Denver winning by three. You know, if anybody will know Gary Kubiak's offense, it's going to be Baltimore. They have a great defense. Elvis Dumerville can wreak havoc himself um, and, and really get in there. The offensive line is obviously an issue in Denver. They did add Evan Mathis, but – it will be his first game playing with this group in an actual game. So we'll see what happens. I think Denver, however, has a way that they can exploit the rush against the offensive line of the Ravens. There seems to be some tendencies. I, I heard uh, uh, some analysis of the Ravens' lines, uh, offensive line, and it looks like there's a favorable matchup there. So I'm taking that hunch, and I'm going to say Denver can actually get win this game by six. That doesn't mean it's easy that win might come late in the game, tacking on an extra field goal or something to get to six. All right. Well, let's move on to the final game, Cincinnati at Oakland. Cincinnati's traveling out to the West Coast. And Oakland, this is a game that if you're an Oakland fan or you're just kind of taking the temperature of Oakland, you want to see them win this game. And I know that on paper Cincinnati's a better team. But if Oakland could be get close to this game and find a way to win, that would go far in that conversation we had earlier about Oakland becoming a winning team and getting that winning mentality. Do you think it's possible, Darren? You know, I do, but uh, Oakland's coming off uh, uh, one and four in their last five games. Uh, they're averaging 17 points, uh, a little under that, about 15 to 16 points per game. Uh, coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals defense, it's fairly good, you know. Uh, the Broncos tried to lure the, the coach from the uh, Bengals over for a defensive coordinator. Their uh, linebacker's coach, I believe it was, or secondary coach. They would not allow him to go. They like what they have. They also like Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton has struggled a little bit uh, when it comes to playoffs. But when it comes to the regular season, he has been fairly solid. I just don't see uh, the Raiders with their passing game being able to overcome this 
out Cincinnati defense. Cincinnati wins this game, in my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if they win it by seven, putting up uh, 20 points to a uh, 17 or 14-point number of the Raiders. I'm not great at math here, but I'm missing where that uh, where that seven points come from twenty to seventeen or twenty to. Let me rephrase that: twenty plus to the the fourteen to seventeen points. All right. Well, I at the end of the day, I do see Cincinnati winning this game. I think it could be competitive. Again, it really comes down to the spirit of the Raiders and what Jack Del Rio has instilled. I, I think that uh, I feel comfortable saying Cincinnati could win this by four points, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if Oakland, uh, if they were in there late, might find a way to steal this game. It would mean a lot to them. Darren, anything else you want to say about the AFC West before we wrap it up? You know, I'm excited. I really think that this will be a uh, great season. I look forward to talking about it throughout the year. You know, let's do this thing. All right. Well, for those of you that uh, are going to skip the Thursday game in protest, well, we'll see you on Sunday. I'll probably still sneak in and watch that Thursday game because I'm excited about football season starting. So to all of you, a great night. Darren, you have a good night too. And I'll let you say goodbye from the AFC West show. Follow us at AFC West on show on Twitter. We look forward to chatting with you throughout the year. And we'll see you next time.